and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. This week I'm joined by former racer turned coach Ben Clark. On this episode we'll be taking a look back at the action from last weekend which only featured the men's racing from Kvitfell, Norway after yet more bad weather conditions caused a halt in proceedings for the women's competition in Russia. We will be discussing how one World Cup racer is putting his money where his mouth is by donating half his prize money for the remainder of the season towards climate change after the president of the FIS said that climate change doesn't exist as well as the blood doping scandal that's hit the world of Nordic skiing. And finally, we take a look towards the up-and-coming action from this weekend's men's and women's last World Cups before the season-ending finals. The women are competing in Spindle of Milin in Czech Republic, whilst the men are in Kranskogora in Slovenia, both racing GS and Slalom. Ben, what's your take on the weekend? Yeah, really not great for the women. They've had a lot of travelling to do in the last couple of weeks and it turns out possibly uh, Michaela Schifrin got it right not going all the way yeah. across to Russia to uh, not carry out any races. Yeah, quite a turn up for the books when you decide to not go to a race and you then get handed the Crystal Globe. <laughs> <laughs> all of all of the Crystal Globes pretty much. Uh, yeah, it was really upsetting obviously it's just you can't help the weather but unfortunately... There was just a bit too much soft snow for these races to get underway. And when you're dealing with you know, speed events, you definitely don't want anyone getting injured. Um, the soft snow makes much more of a difference. And yeah, it's, it's just a shame. I mean, they've got not a great record for holding races. And we'll just have to wait and see how much of an impact that has on the rest of the tour. Yeah, it was a real shame. Was it? It's absolutely bucketed down. So much snow just meant that the organisers had absolutely no choice in cancelling the races. But it's just such a shame whether they've travelled all the way across from Switzerland out to Russia, across a few time zones, a bit of jet lag going on to try and get some racing underway. Titles were still up for grabs. And then all of a sudden, it looks like uh, Schifrin's the cat that got the cream after deciding that she didn't want to go all the way there. She didn't want to have to deal with the the travel and she comes away with the World Cup title. Just quickly look back at the podcast that we did last week and we talked about the the change in the uh, results after they fixed the timing. So we released the podcast on the Tuesday morning at about... (laughs) Half an hour after we released the podcast, which we recorded on the Monday, they then rechanged the results again. And it just seems like we went from one mistake to another. You know, the guys that were in the finish area with the backup timing, and then they were looking at TV to try and fix the timing. And it just, I can't believe that Fizz had had such a nightmare. Yeah, it's, it's a bit ridiculous, to be honest. You know, we've been involved in the sport for a long period of time but you think when you get to the very top levels and the amount of money involved that these kind of things shouldn't be happening you know yes it's not football but there is a lot of money in this sport it's a live televised event it shouldn't get to a few weeks later or a week and a bit later before someone knows the results of a race that's that's just not good enough no this sport is heavily reliant on sponsorship for the events as well as obviously the the athletes for the prize monies and and for them to keep going and to have a result change on a Tuesday from a Saturday it's just it's just it's amateur and it's not what we want and Fizz seem to be bouncing from from one horror story to the next at the moment and they're just they're not painting themselves in the best light I think they'll yeah. be looking forward to the end of the season so they can just <laughs> finish it up 
we're not if we're not complaining about them not running races or rescheduling races uh, then you know they just want a quiet news week so that we can stop saying they're doing things wrong but yeah that that was a, a really bad look and it looks very unprofessional for for fis and the ski racing community so hopefully it's something they can get sorted uh, and get to grips with moving forwards but what we did get away this weekend was two men's races one downhill which was on Saturday. We were supposed to have another downhill on the Friday but that got cancelled because we spoke about it on the pod last week that Kvitfell is subject to a bit of wind up there because it's quite exposed and they just they couldn't get any of the downhill training runs away on the Wednesday or the Thursday which meant they had to cancel the downhill race to make sure that they could run a training to be able to get at least one downhill on the result sheet. So it was a real shame that we missed one of them. Yet another race chalked up to uh, the weather and meant that we couldn't race that one. But in the other race that we did get away in the downhill, we saw Dominic Paris take the win, Beat Foyts coming in in second, and Matthias Meyer taking the final step on the podium in third place. What a cool race that was, though. It was awesome. It was for all of the bad... Uh, luck they've had with the weather the weather on Saturday for that downhill was was brilliant there was no concerns for light wind or anything else exactly what you want solid conditions under feet and wow Dominic Paris skied like an absolute animal Foyt's had what I thought when I watched it would would have been the winning run he looked almost perfect didn't look like he'd made any any mistakes that cost him any real real time uh, and when Paris got to the last split, three tenths down, I didn't think there was a chance he could have uh, could have overtaken him. No, we saw that when Biatfoitz came down, he took the lead from Alexander Ormot Kilder, and he took the lead by over a second. And so, yeah, I was with you. I thought this is Biat's wrapped up, which also then would have wrapped up the uh, overall title for the men for the downhill. But then Dominic Paris just looked like he was on a, one of his proper missions and he absolutely muscled his way down that track. And he he went from having a red light by 0.3 to taking the win by 0.25. So a big swing, you know, over half a second swing in time. And most of it was down to the fact that he took a bit of a different line through, uh, I think they call it Boig, that left foot, the sort of a bit like a carousel turn. You know, you see the carousel turn on plenty of World Cups through the year and he just took a bit of a higher line which meant he then transitioned really nicely steep to flat and you could see him work in the backside of the terrain really juicing down through the heels and actually generating speed across the line he absolutely motored into the finish he did but I also found it quite strange because normally you'd expect Foyts with that bit into the finish he's, he's normally a, a really good kind of glider mm. and his top speed wasn't particularly slow through the gun either so that, that's why at that last split I just didn't think Paris had that much time in him and then out of nowhere really really pulled it out of the back so incredible effort from Paris um, and, and Foyts as well it was brilliant skiing from the pair of them and, and Matthias Meyer taking the final step on the podium he was just under 0.4 off and he's had one of his classic topsy-turvy seasons where he, uh, he he likes to turn up for the big event every now and again and then has a couple of uh, off results the following day almost yeah, and uh, he he did it from a bit further back as well, coming in from from fifteenth. I think people were so kind of 
shocked by Foyt's and Paris's run. They'd almost kind of switched off by the time he came down and uh, uh, and kind of shook the mix up. And as did uh, Mauro Cavietzel just after him. They were they were the kind of closest people trying to push those guys. As as you mentioned, firstly when Foyt's took the lead, it was by such a big margin. People forgot there was still another space on the yeah. podium to fight for. The Norwegians didn't really have a great day on the Saturday with Jetil Yandra down in 8th over a second off and Ormot Kilda down in 11th, 1.4 seconds off uh, and then Adrian Serestead down in 13th. So at that point, the Norwegians hadn't had a great day and then come the next day, they obviously gave themselves a bit of a talking to as they came down and Jetil Yandra put a few wrongs right, finishing in second. But Dominic Paris taking another win, so he got back-to-back wins, another double on his scorecard after doing the double in Bormio at around Christmas time. Dominic Paris took the win, he was 0.43 in front of Jetil Yandra and then Biat Foyts was in third, just 0.6 behind. The course itself was set by Dominic Paris's coach and he definitely set with him in mind. It was a lot more open. It was right on the sort of the bigger distances and the straighter side of the of the rule books in terms of the parameters that the coaches are allowed to set when it comes to course setting at World Cup. And it paid off and Dominic Paris just absolutely had a belting weekend. The Sunday, the weather played a bit more of a factor. It was fairly light snow throughout. The start was delayed for a while while, while they prepared the piece. The major everything was all right. So there were some people that had slightly more snow falling when they were running than others. So it wasn't quite as nice as the Saturday. But if the set helped Paris, it helped Foyts as well. And, you know, Jansred's not exactly scared of a downhill himself. So, like you said, it's well within uh, what the coaches are allowed to do. And anything that benefits their athletes can, can you know, be done in, in, in this situation. Normally you hear a little bit more about a course set favouring people when it's in the tech events. You normally hear like a, uh, you know, the French tech team coach has set this, so it will favour all of their athletes. But when you're just working with one particular guy, uh, you know, it could make a bit of a difference, but you still have to go out and execute. I've seen a lot of people ski out when their coach has set the course. So. Yeah, that added bit of pressure <laughs> and stuff, but it, it certainly paid off for the Italians on the Sunday. But you're right, the, the conditions were tough. And whereas this track isn't necessarily the gnarliest track on the on the tour, there's still a lot of terrain in there, isn't there? And I think when you get, there's a lot of big compressions, especially down the bottom, you've got a couple of heavy edge sets through stuff where you can't see that well because of the light. And they didn't re-dye the track. So the more snow came down, obviously the more covered the blue dye got that they put down before the runners, which just meant that some of the athletes just weren't that impressed by the light conditions. Yeah, and it was it was a few of them, and occasionally the fog came in a, a little bit for for some people. But in comparison to some of the conditions we were looking at in RA a couple of weeks ago, I think that was a, a you know a, a fairly kind of solid run race. And Paris skied really well to get himself into that position. He looked so focused all weekend, and I think just really wanted to keep those keep those tour titles alive. And when we talked about in the last pod about the Americans sort of struggling a little bit to find that sort of talisman that you know somebody to really drive them from the men's side on obviously they've had Lindsay Vaughn on the women's side and Schifrin who's obviously still competing and still dominating on the men's sort of side they've had a bit of a lull haven't they since the Bodie Millers and the Darren Rouses and haven't really had too much sort of consistent sharp end performances from the men in the speed certainly obviously we've had Ted 
yeah, exactly. smashing GSs for a long time. <laughs> Maybe not at the moment, but in previous years gone by, he has. But the Americans had a great weekend. Travis Ganong was fifth in the Super G. Nice to see him back on form after having a, a fair few injuries over the sort of last year or so. Uh, Steve Nyman in the Super G was down in 15th until about halfway. He was absolutely flying. He was within a couple of tenths and skiing really, really nicely. Of course, that he likes out in Kvitfell. He he skis that track incredibly well. And then again, on the uh, Saturday in the downhill, Steve was in seventh place. We saw Bryce Bennett down in 12th. A bit disappointing considering that he's had such a good season so far. We thought this may suit him with that sort of subtlety and others. American that's got real good feel underneath his skis, but he didn't quite pull off the result we thought he might. But a big shout out to Jared Goldberg in ninth place from bib 42. Just one and a quarter seconds off. What a day for him. He had, he had a, mon- a monster run. Uh, and it's kind of convenient that we were talking about the Americans kind of looking to build that form on last week's podcast because they have struggled a bit since the days of Bodie Miller and, and Darren Rouse on the speed side. They've shown glimpses that they can do it. But I think as we've talked about a few times throughout the year, it looks like they've got the makings of a really good tight-knit group to move forwards with and those guys will be able to push each other on and each time any one of them has success it will drive everyone else on to follow them and I think that's that's only going to pave the way for good things to come for those guys in the, in the future. Uh, and with this racing that we got away from the men's on the speed side we talked about it briefly about the titles and so the fact that Dominic Paris beat Biat Foyts in the downhill on the Saturday means that we still yet to see the title being awarded for the downhill, but it's all sort of over bar the singing, isn't it? Because yeah. uh, Beat Foyts is 80 points ahead of Dominic Paris, and obviously you get 100 points for a win, 80 points for a second. So it's, it's sort of there, but it's just not been awarded yet. Yeah, I bet Paris is wishing they could have got that extra downhill in because if he could have got the triple this weekend, that would have really put the pressure on uh, going into the finals. But it's it's a bit of a shame, but, you know, Foyts is being rewarded for that consistency we talked about last week. He just doesn't have a race where he only gets 10 points. He's always 50 plus, you know, he wins a couple races every year and he's on the podium or thereabouts almost every race. Yeah, exactly. And the Super G title gone from being uh, each racer being separated by two points down to about sixth place. Dominic Paris now leads the Super G title by 44 points over Vincent Kriegmeier. He leads Alexander Ormark-Kilder, who's in third place, by 63 points, and Jettel Jansrud by 64 points. So Paris now, going into the final race of the season in the Super G, has taken a real stranglehold on this. And if my maths is right, which it might not be right, um, <laughs> I think that Dominic Paris has to be third or worse. And no, no he's got to be fourth or worse, and Creekmire's got to win. And that's putting a lot of pressure on, on Creekmire. He's, he's, he's had a solid season with a couple of really good standout results. But Paris in the last few months has, has, has really started to throw himself into the Super G mix um, and hang on to be up Foyts in the downhill. He really is in the strongest position there. Um, and it's you know fairly likely that he's going to uh, bring home that glow because you just can't see him finishing below fourth in a speed event at the moment. He's looking so strong. Well, interestingly, I'm not too sure what Soldeo in Andorra is like, which is where the finals are. So it'll be uh, interesting to see when when the racers get out there exactly what the piece setup is. But you're exactly right. I can't see Dominic Paris in the form that he's in being fourth or worse. But 
we've been talking about it all season on the men's speed side, just how stacked the talent is. And so it's it's feasible, but with the form run that he's on, it seems unlikely now. Yeah, and uh, he'll be making sure his waxman is in perfect health and uh, ready to go for that because his uh, gliding and speed at the bottom of the downhill was just absolutely incredible. It was amazing, and I'm sure he uh, received quite the fat uh, check, <laughs> although probably not a check now, we're not in the 90s, uh, fat uh, bank transfer yeah. <laughs> to uh, to his t- uh, technician because those skis were absolutely flying. But we talked about it and we talk about it quite a lot that the most important part of any race is the transition steep to flat because you can mess up the steep and still, as long as you've still got a bit of steep left, you can still carry speed across the flat. But the minute you make you don't give the transition steep to flat the respect it deserves because it just accumulates turn on turn on turn if you mess up that. And Dominic Paris took a bit more out of one of the turns. He came a bit more from behind, allowed himself a bit more height so that he could really nail that transition. And obviously we saw that 0.55 time swing was all the difference. So it was a great weekend from the Italian team as a whole, technician to coach to Dominic Paris. We're just going to move now on to a couple of the stories that we've been reading about over the last few days. And I think one of the interesting ones is that we're seeing Daniel Yule, the Swiss slalom racer, saying off the back of the president of the FIS saying that that climate change does not exist. And I think we can all see, any of us that have been into the mountains can see that... The glaciers are receding at an alarming rate and, and every year we seem to get less and less snow. I mean, we still get the big dumps, but it just is less consistent than it's ever been. Uh, and Daniel Yule is putting his hand in his own pocket and says that he's going to donate half of the prize money he receives for the last two events of the season uh, to climate change, which can be up to, if he wins both of them, the minimum that he can win is 90,000 Swiss francs. So minimum that the donation would be would be 45,000 uh, Swiss francs, which um, is about, I think it's about 30, mid 30,000 pounds. And you Americans out there can have to do your own dollar translations. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but in general, it, I, I think that's great. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see another couple of races get on that bandwagon because we all see it, the changes. And you guys out there who are big ski racers or, or ski race fans and big ski fans in general We'll see it week in, week out. I don't know how this FIS guy's managed to, to see that it doesn't exist. I it's, think he's madness. Maybe he needs to get some better specs. Yeah, it was it was a very strange interview he gave at the World Championships. A lot of people picked up on it. And I've seen a few quotes from it that are quite alarming, but I'm not entirely sure where he's coming from. But it is great of Daniel Yule to say that. And as you say, I wouldn't be surprised if, if more racers do. And at the same time, you can then see, I think Schifrin was... Uh, in talking about why she wasn't going to Russia as well, made the point that it's really not easy when you think of the amount of staff behind her, how much kit they're lugging across continents on planes and buses and God knows what else, week in, week out. It's almost a point from the athletes to ask Fizz to be a bit more sensible. I think we go again talking about things that Fizz have done wrong. It's It just seems like there's a lot of common sense missing in what's going on and Daniel Yule's obviously making that point to, to, to make his stand and say this is this is something I think is a problem and wants to do his part to, to try and get behind some kind of solution. Yeah, and I think kudos to him to actually step up and, and, and do something and uh, well done to you, Daniel. Uh, the other thing on a slightly less 
exciting though is that did you see the raid that was done on the Nordic skier caught blood doping there's that picture of him with his IV in blood what do they call it is it sack what do they call the well, no, pouch sack, pouch sack yeah. thing <laughs> yeah, hanging in the background and um, the most sheepish look on his face and I think they should throw the book at him his name's Max Hauker from Austria uh, and I think there were 10 arrests that the police made uh, to the world championships in Seyfeld I, I can't believe it I mean, I can, I can kind of believe it because if you take something like the Nordic combined or the, you know, the cross-country stuff, it's so hard on the body. And thankfully, I don't think we see it in alpine skiing as much due to the fact that we're not racing over those huge distances and for, you know, more than a couple of minutes at most. That thankfully, I don't think it plays as much of a part in our sport. I mean, that could potentially be naive, but I really don't think it does. Unfortunately, for the the cross-country guys, the Nordic combined guys, that I think it's a real shame that their sport is being tarnished by it. Andrew Musgrave, the Brit who's doing really, really well over there, I think rightfully says that it's just absolutely gutted. And the fact that he sees these people and you share restaurants with them, you share lunch with them, you go up the lift with these guys, you travel the world with these people and you can just be blinded by it. It's a, re- it's a really strange thing to see. It's very, very upsetting to see. Obviously, you know, we're both alpine racers. It's not really our sport, but to see it happen uh, again, you know, it's the kind of thing you, you've, you've seen for years in cycling. And I don't know if it's something that goes on in, in, in alpine skiing. I, I never made it to the, the, the level where I was hanging around with the World Cup stars in their hotel room seeing what, what was going on. No, um, I never, yeah, I did. And that never, <laughs> went, that never went on. And I certainly didn't see it. And I, I do believe that it doesn't go on in our sport. I think there's a, that you're always going to have the idiots that that'll do something or try something that'll, that'll cheat you know it's just flat out cheating and it's and it's it ruins it I, I just I don't get it and I think go back to the days where you fully oust these guys and go look you mess up that bad you will never compete again I don't like this two-year ban competition ban for a small period of time no you're out once you mess up that bad and you destroy our sport that bad you bring the reputation into disrepute that's it you're out the sport gives you a lot and you're trying to take away from it and don't deserve it yes, so long. It's, it's one of those things that provided they can either phrase the rulings correctly or anything around it, you know, if it's something that's a, a natural substance there's too much of as opposed to just outright blood doping. Like uh, I think there's probably a few grey areas in there where, where there needs to be some kind of understanding of exactly what's going on and, and how it affects the body, but... If you're just outright guys like that, if you're caught cheating in, in your room the night before an event, then I completely agree. It is a, a black, especially in the world championships, it's a, it's a black eye for the sport. It's, it's horrible. And, and you, all you can say is that you really hope that the authorities can get a handle on it and, and kind of well done to the people. I think I read it was part of a long running investigation to, to catch these people. Um, so, you know, well done to those people for, for doing the investigations and, and finding out these kind of things because you don't want fans feeling like the heroes that they hold up are you know, are, are these terrible people. And then also for, for your peers, you know, like you say, you spend, spend the time with all these guys and then turns out that they're not your mates and they're doing everything they can outside of the rules to, to beat you. Yeah, absolutely. I think absolutely disgusting. And um, that Dan can jog on. Don't, don't want to see him anymore. 
apart from behind bars. We're sticking behind bars. Um, on a slightly different note, I would like to ask you guys at home something. We are coming towards the end of the World Cup season. We've got the racing this weekend and then the following weekend is World Cup finals where we will be doing a sort of season wrap-up. And I'd like you guys to email in a standout racer. What nation is he from or she from? and why and you can email that to the ski racing podcast at gmail.com yes yeah, so email us at the ski racing podcast at gmail.com it doesn't have to be the person that's won the most it could be somebody that's not on the podium but just give us a reason we'll chat about it and we'll let you know ours when it comes to the end of the season let's have a quick look forward now to this coming weekend's race and the last chance for racers to claim a spot in the World Cup finals. Only 25 racers are allowed to come to the finals, plus the World Junior Champ and anybody that's got 500 points that fancies a crack at racing in a different discipline. Basically, it's, it's they do that so that if you're still going for the overall title, you can compete in more events. But both overall titles are done and dusted, obviously. The women's title up for grabs is only the GS as Schifrin's already won the slalom, and on the men's side, Hirsch has wrapped up slalom and GS as well. So the only title that's potentially going to go this weekend is the women's GS. We've got Schifrin leading Tessa Worley by 81 points, and Schifrin leads Vlahova, who's in third, by 137 points. There are 200 points left on offer for the giant slalom season one in Spindlerev this weekend, and then obviously the finals. They're going to need to see some some big results from Worley and Vlahova if they want to keep it going into the into the finals. Um, as we just talked about with Paris going in to the final weekend, eighty points behind Foyts in the men's speed means you you need people to start falling over basically at that point. So um, it's going to need to be very big performances from from the likes of Worley and Vlahova uh, to see if they can puts any kind of pressure on a very, very well-rested and yeah, exactly. not quite so travelled yeah. uh, Schifrin. For the title to sort of go down to the wire and actually be up for properly up for grabs, the last race, you're kind of going to need to see Schifrin off the podium in GS, which just seems mad, really, because I, I can't see, I can't no, see her being off the podium. She's but, been skiing so knows? well this year, you, you, you really can't see it. But for everyone else, it's just a World Cup weekend that, you know, the, the obviously Wally and Vlahova are, are thinking Crystal Globe. Everyone else is, there's, there's a race to win this weekend. Let's, you know, they've just got to catch Schifrin once. They don't have to worry about doing it another couple of times. The racing is going to be thick and fast, and we've seen some great performances this year from obviously from Schifrin, but Tessa Worley winning opening the opening race of the season in Petra Vlahova, taking a couple of wins in GS, and she's the world champion in GS as well. Yeah, I don't know much about the, the piece there, so I wouldn't be able to say who I think it might favour, but to be honest, I just want there to be no weather interruptions, yeah. no the snow's too soft or too warm, or we need to get loads of salt down, or we can't see where we're going. I just want a nice simple weekends <laughs> racing in, in, in the women's because they've had a, a terrible weekend last week with the amount of travelling um, most of the field did to get all the way over to Sochi and then uh, back uh, to the Czech Republic and then Cheers. back again to the Czech Republic a few days later I quite like to see something from Ravensburg this weekend she'd been posting a little bit on, on uh, uh, social media about uh, some of the training she's doing and looking forward to getting the, the GS skis back on 
Uh, she's not probably had the kind of season she would have hoped for. So I've got to see her kind of b- bouncing back a bit. Roggen Hill Mowinkle had quite a good world champs, not quite making it to the very top step of the podium, but a couple of really strong performances in there. Yeah, she's on really good form, and I think it's only a matter of time before she you know, starts to become a real force week in, week out. Not just the odd race through the season, but somebody that they're going to be constantly looking at to come away with... Um, with with podiums and victories also Tessa Worley obviously being second in the tour standings I think she needs a big weekend just to sort of I don't know I think on the women's side they're talking about Schifrin obviously and we talk a lot about Vlahova and I think the other ladies tend to get forgotten about a little bit I'm always talking about Tessa so yeah. well that's true <laughs> your, your little French <laughs> love, love the French I mean Tessa's a tough one like her and Wendy Holden are probably a, a, a two of the more aggressive GS skiers, and we called them out quite early on in the year for, for some of their, their quite good skiing, but then it's gone away a bit, and I remember, I can't remember which race it was, the one that had hilarious amounts of wind when the man blew over in the background. Oh, that was Zanaro. That was, that was, Zanaro, that was in the it? World Champs, yeah. yeah. And, and that was, I remember watching, that was when Tess was on her run, and she looked like she was having a great run in the second run yeah, of the GS, but just, but just had really bad luck with the wind. But it is tough, and we have a similar kind of thing with Hersher in the men's. When someone is dominating that much, you end up spending loads of the time talking about them, and you know the people who occasionally challenge them. But a lot of the rest of the field does then get lost a little bit in the shuffle, which is why it's kind of good that there are some of the disciplines at the moment that do have. Uh, quite close standing still because then you're talking about a, a a big range of people. I'm going to go for my pick as that's who I'm about to start speaking about who isn't going to be Schifrin because I don't think we're allowed to call Schifrin. I think she's got to a point again where we're not allowed to talk about <laughs> Schifrin winning especially being that rested. I feel like she needs to have like a couple of really late nights just to even it up for everybody else. Maybe somebody needs to try and like she had such a for a night out or something just to give her a bit of a, she's had, she's a handicap. Had, she had such a long rest, she might be rusty. It won't um. be. No, I don't think so. Um, so but I, I'm going to st- say that Frederica Brianoni is going to be up there, and I think she's my pick for the win. It was close between her and Vlahova, but barring Schifrin, I think that um, Frederica Brianoni is going to do the business. Yeah, she's gone, again, like we were talking about, quietly... Along About this year, business, yeah. in, in, and she's in fourth place in the GS standings, and it's a it's it's, it's a strange one because you uh, uh, would would think uh, she would uh, be I don't know just a bit more uh, talked yeah, about, yeah. a bit more high profile. I think I think the Italians probably um, do do reasonably well where they get a lot more press probably from from Paris um, uh, on 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 the men's side. So Brioni's kind of gone under the radar. Yeah, I bit. agree. I agree. And what about you? Who who do you think is going to come out with the gold medal? I'll give you one guess. Tessa Wally? Tessa. <laughs> Come on, Tessa. <laughs> okay. The other thing we, from a British perspective, would like to see is Alex Tilly putting in a performance because at the moment she's not making it to World Cup finals, but she's had a real up and down season. She's had she's skied well, but tactically has made some, let's call them interesting choices and hasn't quite managed to put down two runs well, she hasn't had put down two runs all season long. She's put down a belter and an okay run, but we still haven't seen two runs, which is obviously the the holy grail of any tech skier is to put down two cracking runs. But I think Alex Tilly really needs a big weekend. And it, 
good way to finish off the season because this could easily be the last World Cup of the season. It's really tough to tell quite where she is at the moment. I remember that first GS of the season, we both thought, wow, some yeah. of those turns were incredible. Oh, yeah. Maybe just pushed a tiny bit too hard, but she belongs at this level. And clearly she does. You know, She's starting week in, week out on the World Cup tour now. But then, like you said, just a few times, it's not quite falling for her or she's just been a bit too aggressive um, and as we talk about with Dave sometimes if once you go through a run of being too aggressive you know back off too much and it's so hard to find the balance at this level and I think you take for granted when you see people like Schifrin and Worley and Vlahova just always seem to be able to find the yeah. perfect uh, you know race strategy but I think we've definitely seen enough from Alex to know that she can do it now it's just make it so that everyone knows and believes it going into every race I wholeheartedly agree I think uh, I think you're exactly right let's move on to the slalom for the ladies we already said that Schifrin is done and dusted with the title um, with a mere 960 points yeah I think that's a flat out domination and she obviously has been skiing incredibly well racking up victories like they were nobody's business and she just is an incredible talent and just doesn't seem to be faltering and uh, although we're seeing some of the races getting a little bit closer I don't know whether the it's just Schifrin just not having to work as hard so the gap's seemingly not as big as they were at the beginning of the season because she's taking less risks because she's leading by a long way but Vlahova has been skiing well and and pushing Schifrin more so in the city races, although not in the last city race. But so Vlahova's been working incredibly hard, but really it's only a two horse race all season long. Yeah, well I guess we're not we're not quite on to pitch yet, but it's tough to know where the next challenge to, to Schifrin can come from other than Vlahova. I mean, Wendy Holden's next in the standings, but when you think who's going to win a slalom each week, you don't immediately think Wendy Holden's one of the possibilities, which goes to show you just how far in front Schifrin and Vlahova are uh, from everyone else. I know there's been a lot of injuries this year, but the Austrians don't seem to be able to find their feet in the tech. They've had, they're doing all right on the women's speed side and the men's tech side, but then... On the women's tech side, well, not uh, not the whole, not all the tech side for the the men either. I mean, we spoke about it with Marcel Mattis, who was on the pod last week. We're really talking about if Austria didn't have Hirscher. I mean, we'd have we'd have <laughs> Schwarz has been able to pull everybody else along a little bit. We haven't seen a great season from Michael Michael Matt, Matt and uh, Manny Feller's just Feller's doing Manny Feller yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I think the Austrians have obviously blessed with Marcel Hirscher on the men's side to keep their flag flying if you like but the women's tech side has, have really struggled this year I really expected to see a little bit more from Bernadette Shield this year but she's not she's not had a great season no really. she really had, and in the first race she had an appalling first run and then skied like an absolute monster on the second run and I thought okay so she's she's found like the level of aggression mm. she needs to, to race this year and she just she's, she looked very passive yeah, all season it's, it's right. really strange it's not it's not really like her I don't know if she's been carrying an injury and just managing it but you'd think if you're not contesting like the top few spots in races there's not really much point skiing through an injury no. you think that she'd, she'd step back and, and get it seen to if she is or maybe she's having some uh, equipment issues but it was it was a long time ago now but when we did the podcast with uh, Paul Telling 
he said, you know, pretty similarly, he said there's, there is a group of Austrian girls at the moment, some of them are quite young on the tech side, and they're good, but they're just not not quite what we're used to seeing from Austria. Mm. They're not that, you know, next level, challenging, Schifrin type type racers. So some of the some of the Austrian women are going to have to wait a couple of years, I think, to, to see them hit their peak and really see what they've got. But it is it is very strange to look down the, the standings and have to look so far to, to find Austrian uh, women in this line. OK, so pick time. I feel like you have to be able to pick Schifrin because realistically... <laughs> It's hard to see anybody getting close. I think the, the GSI is a little bit more open. There's a few more challenges, but the slalom side, what do you think? Open Schifrin up to being picked. Well, we can't both pick her anyway, so is that what you're going for? No, well, no, you can go first. <laughs> one of us is going to pick Schifrin and one of us is going to pick Vlahova, right? Because it just, it just seems like it's... I'm going, I'm going out of the box. Um, I, all right. Yeah, just, you're going to say Hans just... Dutter, aren't you? You love, you love to say Hans Dutter, you said her a couple of times. I was, I was actually going to say Squen Larson just off the back of the City event. Just yeah, to see what that extra bit of confidence does. Because she had a good, pretty solid world champs as well. She just I'm going with the confidence factor more than everything else. Or momentum or whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, uh, fair enough. Um, which... <laughs> I'm going to pick Shifrin. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to chalk one up to the winner's column. Oh, I don't know. I feel like it's. I just can't see, I can't see anybody beating Shifrin. I can't even see Vlahova beating Schifrin. It's exciting to watch where whatever happens. Yeah. So I'm going to call Schifrin, just... but I feel like this is a total... If she wins, then you'll then have, another... Claim it. Yeah, yeah. You have another yeah. win in the column. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, all right. And now on to the men who are racing in Kranzkogora, which is their last opportunity before the World Cup finals. Uh, and so first is the GS on Saturday and then the slalom on Sunday. So GS first... That piece itself is quite a cool piece. It's quite long for the GS. It's got a good bit of terrain at the top, and then it's got a real steep section right into the finish, which comes right down into the bottom. It's quite narrow. It is another one that tends that tends to have a few weather issues historically. But Come on, weather gods! Yeah, we need those Be weather friendly. gods to shine on us. So, I, do you know what I'm looking forward to seeing? This race, I think, obviously, the title is gone to Hirscher. Well deserved it, and he's been on form near enough every single weekend barring Salbach Hinterglen when he finished off the podium for the first time in like 10 years or something stupid <laughs> <laughs> but and we're seeing some great skiing from so many races at the moment Henrik Christofferson is absolutely flying in GS Alexi Pantero is flying in GS Toma Fanara flying in GS and uh, Jan Kranjek, who's been skiing incredibly well, is in his own backyard. So, well, that was going to be that was going to be one of my questions. Was like, how, how do you fancy uh, Jan Kranjek on on home snow? I've called him a couple of times for the win, and I really hope he gets it. And the Slovenians will be there in force, so you never know. I think it's maybe a little bit of a long shot because he's not coming in off the back of amazing form. Although he did ski very well at the last round in um, Bansko, but. So did everybody else. He put down the first real charge on that second round, took the lead, and then I think he finished in fifth. But the the other guys just after him put down flyers as well. So he is on good form, but so is everybody else. So I, that's why I think it's going to be an absolute cracker of a weekend. Well, yeah, the the big question uh, at, at the moment is, can Pantero keep his hilarious run of form going? Because it really is getting uh, you know ridiculous just how 
consistent he's been from probably the last couple of events before the World Champs yeah. all the way through to now. He seems to be peaking uh, perfectly for, for the back end of the season. And obviously Christofferson finally finding what was missing uh, at the World Champs and then and then at the, the, the next race as well. So those two guys are on an absolute hot streak and Marcel Hirscher will not be happy about it. No, <laughs> no. Expect to see an angry Hirscher when it comes to uh, the slalom and the giant slalom this coming weekend. Who is your money on? We'll have Hirscher in there as well because I think this is so open that it's uh, it's it's really up for grabs this weekend. I might I might jump I might jump on the Hirscher train then. It's it's I don't know for that's probably the first time you've asked me when I've actually been unsure as to whether to pick someone else because Christofferson just seems to have so much momentum right now. I'm still going to go with Hirscher just because I'm sure he's going to be absolutely furious um, with the mistakes he made on the on the second run of the of the last race. So, yeah, Hirscher, I think, for the win. But like you said, half those guys we just called out could win. And mm. I think that's the, the slight difference between Hirscher and Schifrin at the moment. Schifrin is so dominant. We say if people can do their absolute best, they might get close to her. Whereas in the men's in the last few weeks, it's actually been, okay, people can beat Hirscher. Um, and he doesn't necessarily have to have a bad day. Yes, he did have a little lie down halfway <laughs> down Bansko to the hip skid uh, and still managing to only finish a few hundreds behind Christofferson. So he's he's definitely still on form. So I think Hirscher is a good shout. I'm going to say... I'm going to say Pantero. I think Pantero down there, It's he seems as fresh as anybody at this point in the season. And I think it's, it's a, I remember it being quite a long GS and there's a big sting in the tail down the bottom of that piece. Uh, and so I think that maybe he's just going to have a little bit more in the tank than the other guys. And it's going to be fine margins. And like you say, it's going to be close between five or six of them. So I think that uh, Pantero is going to do the business this weekend. He's going to need a long nap after the World Cup finals, the amount of racing yeah, he's, he's done in the do, last yeah. two months. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and so let's move all along to the slalom, which is the final race of the weekend. Obviously, no Marco Schwarz after doing his knee oh, in Bansko. So he's yeah. now out of, the, out of the running for any sort of wins. Again, it's on the same piece of the GS. The start is relatively flat, so it gives you a chance to get into the, into the challenge. It's got a few rolls in there as well, so it's going to be tough dealing with that terrain and and then like I say that steep steep finish which always throws up a few curveballs with whoever's doing the setting what do you think I, I love the piece I, I do I do really like this one um, and it's I think it'd be good if they could make it into a night slalom to be honest with you I think that piece would be brilliant to watch some uh, night races on for this one I want to see something from Dave I want to kind of bounce back from from what we thought was probably not as good a world champs as, as he would have liked. Kind of like to see him put another marker back down and just remind these guys that he is more than capable of, of competing. And, and and mixing with the big guns, which again, we talked about it with Alex Tilly and we've talked about it with lots of races, not just the Brits, but it's that finding two runs and putting two quality performances down in two runs. We've seen it from Dave that he can beat every single guy in this field if he has a monster run but it's hard because he's got to put down two monster runs without any mistakes because there's so, again so much talent in there it's stacked top to bottom first seven the first seven are within a few hundredths of each other the top 15 is within maybe a couple of tenths at most on average so I think it's going to be a belting weekend of racing and who do you think is going to win? 
I want to say Daniel just so we can get his, yeah, we can get we can get him passing the money over about the money. Yeah, yeah. Is that is that a um, is that a heart pick because of the cash, or is that a head pick? Probably more of 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 a heart pick. I was actually thinking before we started of of, of going with Noel for this one. Um, I know you've heard, picked him a few times this year. He's gone a little bit quiet, but no, you know what? You know, let's let's get the Daniel donation. Uh, <laughs> train started uh, okay. this weekend you're gonna say him uh is that including hirsha is hirsha in your does hirsha count in your call yeah you're all the way okay i'm just, cool. I'm, just right, I like I'm just all about i'm all about all the, about uh, the money the giving all right okay cool <laughs> now you're gonna make me sound cold that i'm not gonna be all about them you don't want him to win <laughs> no <laughs> breaking news uh, i am going to go with oh i can't do pantero double Although he is absolutely flying since he's found a little new setup. I am going to say... I don't know. I, don't, I, I, I think Hirsch is... I do actually think Hirsch is going to win. I think he's probably got what it takes down there to be quickest. And I think if it, if it was actual cold hard cash, I would put it on Hirscher. I get what you're saying with Daniel. And he's been very fast, again, in sections and on runs. So I think he's in with a really good shout. Clement O'Well has gone off the boil a little bit since Kitzbühel, really. Yeah, he's looked he's looked kind of good in sections. He went through that run of, of oh, he had a couple of wins, looked untouchable, then he was leading and, and skied out. And since then he's had good sections and he's looked pretty much the same. Apart type from Are, I don't know what what happened to him on the first run at Are. He found himself like two seconds off. It's hard because when you're that young, what is he, twenty one? When you're that young and you burst onto the scene. It's hard to find consistency when you're when you're a young racer because you're still getting to grips with everything. You know, Hirsch is thirty years old as of the other day, and so he's done thousands and thousands and thousands of miles of skiing. And Clement O'Well's nine years younger and obviously done a hell of a lot less of skiing. So just that consistency is just not going to be there yet from Clement O'Well. I don't think he's going to win. I think Pantero's got a good a chance as anybody to be second to Hirscher, but I think that uh, Hirscher's going to take the win. Uh, but what I would like to see is, again, the same from you with Dave. I want to see Dave inside that top 10. Inside the top 10 is a good day, and inti- inside the top 7 is an excellent day. Let's go, Dave. <laughs> Let's, Let's go, go, Dave. Just before we go, just want to reiterate, just for you guys back at home, to email us into the ski racing podcast at gmail.com with your standout racer and why and we'll get collating those and then we'll discuss those at the end of the season anything else please please don't be rubbish weather this weekend (laughs) please don't be rubbish weather and that's all we've got time for this week thanks for joining us until next week goodbye for now